0: This is episode number 54 of the Individual One podcast.
1: For the record, Individual Number One is President Donald J. Trump.
0: And I am your host, John Ziegler. We are broadcasting from Los Angeles, California, and distributed internationally by the Global Story Network. This is the bi weekly program, which takes an honest and hard look at the presidency of Donald J. Trump from a conservative perspective, because unfortunately no one else is willing or able to tell the real truth about him. Unlike the corporate media, we here at the Individual One podcast have most definitely not been compromised or co opted. Welcome to the program. Please subscribe, rate, review, and share it via social media. Follow us on Twitter. At individual, the number one pod. That's individual, the number one pod. Today is September 11th, the 18th anniversary of uh, probably the darkest day in the modern history of the United States of America, the terrorist attacks on uh, Washington, D.C., obviously New York City, and uh, on the plane that was crashed into Shanksville, Pennsylvania, about 3,000 people dying. And when it comes to 9 11, uh, the history of Donald Trump's interaction. With that event as a guy who grew up and lived his whole life in Manhattan is really instructive as to who he is. And now that he's president of the United States, which is just mind blowing and is speaking on behalf of the nation on days like today, it is particularly instructive to go back. And, you know, we're about to play a clip here from 9-11 itself when Donald Trump was interviewed on local television in New York to get his initial reaction to the terrorist attacks which caused the Twin Towers to collapse in Manhattan. And this clip is well known, but it's not nearly as well known as it should be. I mean, this is, this is a clip that, frankly, during the campaign in 2016, should have been known by every single American. Uh, my good friend, Democratic Congressman John Yarmouth, honestly thought that this was going to be what the campaign was going to be about, especially once Trump won the nomination. And both to his and to my uh, utter frustration and, frankly, mystification, it hardly ever became an issue. And I, I don't even really have a good theory as to why it did not. But here is Donald Trump 18 years ago on the phone to a local New York television station after the Twin Towers had collapsed after being hit by uh, airline planes in a horrendous terrorist attack.
1: Uh, you have one of the landmark buildings down in the financial district, Forty Wall Street. Uh, did you have any damage, or did you know w- what's happened down there? Well, it was an amazing phone call I made. Forty Wall Street actually was the second tallest building in downtown Manhattan, and and it was actually before the World Trade Center was the tallest. And then when they built the World Trade Center, it became known as the second tallest, and now it's the tallest.
0: It it defies description that that is a human being. And and I have always said that Donald Trump is uniquely unqualified to be the president of the United States, largely because he's not a normal human. I mean, there should be several basic qualifications for the job. And one of them is that you are a human being, like with normal impulses, the ability to actually feel, have empathy, have a clue about your position in the world, that that not not everything revolves around you, not be a narcissist to levels of such extreme that they make Barack Obama seem like not that much of a narcissist. I mean, Barack Obama was a narcissist nothing compared to Donald Trump. I mean to have your first, and that was not edited, to have your first primary reaction be, you know what? It's amazing. Wow, I just had an amazing phone call. Let me tell you. Now my building, by the way, what he said wasn't even accurate, which, which is so classically Trump. I mean, he's not only being completely inappropriate and narcissistic, he's also not even being accurate. Correct. But I mean, it actually, it deserves to be replayed. So I'm going to, just in case you somehow didn't fully comprehend it the first time, here again 18 years ago today, Donald Trump on local New York television on 9-11.
1: Uh, you have one of the landmark buildings down in the financial district, 40 Wall Street. Uh, Did you have any damage or did you know what's happened down there? Well, it was an amazing phone call. I made 40 Wall Street actually was the second tallest building in downtown Manhattan. And and it was actually before the World Trade Center was the tallest. And then when they built the World Trade Center, it became known as the second tallest. And now it's the tallest.
0: Again, there's just not much you can say there.
1: You cannot be serious.
0: But this 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 is not even a human being. And now he's president of the United States. And now he is, as he did today, speaking at the Pentagon about the 9-11 attacks and our continuing response to them. And here he was today reacting to the controversy over the fact that he invited the Taliban, the group that was behind the 9-11 attacks, not just to speak in a, in a negotiation without preconditions, but to do so in the United States and to do so at Camp David, an idea that was so horrendous that it somehow got vetoed before it actually happened. Or if, the, if you hear Donald Trump tell it, he decided because the Taliban had suddenly Expose themselves as being corrupt because of an attack that occurred in the last few days. This was was the last straw, apparently, for Trump, because 9-11 was not. uh, But uh, Trump, according to his version of events, called it off himself. Of course, it was his idea to begin with, so he gets no credit for, for calling off a horrendously bad idea. But here was Donald Trump at the Pentagon today. Now, there's a couple of important things I want you to listen to. Some of them will be obvious, but at the end, I have a sincere question. Is the President of the United States exposing the fact that we have some sort of a brand new secret weapon that's even more powerful than a nuclear bomb? Or is he just simply bullshitting in a normal Trump fashion to pump up his own ego and to sound? really tough. You can uh, decide for yourself, but here was President Trump at the Pentagon today.
1: But if anyone dares to strike our land, we will respond with the full measure of American power and the iron will of the American spirit. And that spirit is unbreakable. We had peace talks scheduled a few days ago. I called them off when I learned that they had killed a great American soldier from Puerto Rico and 11 other innocent people. They thought they would use this attack to show strength, but actually, what they showed is unrelenting weakness. The last four days, we have hit our enemy harder than they have ever been hit before, and that will continue. And if for any reason they come back to our country, we will go wherever they are and use power the likes of which the United States has never used before. And I'm not even talking about nuclear power. They will never have seen anything like what will happen to them.
0: All right. Now, I have to at least mention the pathetic smattering of applause there from the Pentagon. This is at the Pentagon. So these these are, he's the commander in chief. These are people who are literally trained to applaud at the right time for the president of the United States. And he got a smattering of applause. It never even got to a full-throated applause. And I'm not even sure how to interpret that other than, uh, you know, they weren't really buying what Trump was selling. But then there's the part there at the end where, where Trump says, I'm not even talking about nuclear power. We're going to hit them with something so hard they've never seen it before. Um, what the hell is this? W- w- what is he doing? What is he talking about? And I asked this question on Twitter via my Twitter account, which is at Sigmund Freud, and I got some pretty good responses about the secret weapon that uh, he might be referring to. Uh, my, my favorite uh, suggestion is, well, come on, John. What do you think the Space Force has been up to? <laughs> I, mean, what, because, I mean, what what is going on? What? what I, I mean, my inclination is always that Trump is bullshitting. I mean, that's who he is. Uh, he's pumping up his own ego, and he's just pretending that since another president, Truman, has actually used nuclear bombs, he is capable of doing something that no other American president has even contemplated. What it is we have no idea but he's got it he's willing to use it i actually it's bizarre but i kind of hope i hope that was the actual scenario i hope he's bullshitting instead of just teasing that somehow we have this secret weapon that's more powerful than a than a nuclear bomb uh but this is trump being trump uh, he, he is an egomaniac he's incredibly insecure he, he, uh, this is why he's obsessed with the size of his buildings or how big his bombs are. Uh, uh, this is not the mentality of someone who is fit to be the commander in chief of the United States military and the president of the United States. That's, that should be obvious at this point. Uh, to anybody with a clue. And unfortunately, we still have about 40% of the people in this country uh, who do not have a clue.
1: I love the poorly educated.
0: But it could not be more obvious. And today is yet another example of that. Now, speaking of national security, yesterday, John Bolton, the national security advisor, the third national security advisor of this administration, uh, has uh, either resigned or been fired, depending on who you believe. Now, I, I tend not to believe uh, Trump because, after all, he's a pathological liar. Correct. And because it was not in, in his his incentive to tell the truth here. Or, by the way, uh, his normal M.O. to fire somebody like he claims to have fired John Bolton because Trump— Despite the perception created by the celebrity apprentice, where his catchphrase was, you're fired, he's actually a complete wuss when it comes to firing people. Correct. He's a wuss in general, but uh, particularly when it comes to firing people. Almost everything about Trump is the exact opposite of what he claims it to be. And so the idea that Trump actually fired Bolton, I don't believe, because Bolton has been emphatic that he resigned. Here's what it sounds like happened. It sounds like uh, Bolton was particularly perturbed about the idea that Trump wants Russia to join the G7. And he was asked to go on television last weekend to defend that and some other things that he did not feel comfortable defending, and he refused to do so. And this caused increased tension between Trump and Bolton. They had some sort of uh, either conversation slash confrontation and Bolton offered to resign. According to Bolton, Trump says, let's talk about this tomorrow. Now, Trump, who is in many ways a moron, but in other ways is incredibly good at manipulating people and the media and and, and his own and things that are consistent with his own survival. It's quite possible that at that point, Trump realized that Biden or that Biden that Bolton was going to resign and he didn't want that to be the narrative. He wanted the narrative to be that he fired him. So the next morning he creates the narrative that Bolton has been fired even though there was clearly a letter of resignation which was in fact dated the next day. And even though Bolton was scheduled to be at a press conference that day, in a release that was put out in the morning by the White House. Now, if if Trump had really, which he later tweeted, claimed that he had fired Bolton the night before, how does Bolton get scheduled to be at a press conference the next morning? Now, granted, it could just be utter incompetence. (laughs) In communication, that's possible, but let's use Oxham's razor. When it's Trump, he's probably lying, because that's the way Trump works. Correct. And Bolton has really no reason to lie because at this point, by contradicting the president, he's already out of the job. He's making himself even more of an enemy of Trump world than he would have been otherwise. So it seems to me pretty clear that Bolton offered to resign. And then Trump decided, I'm going to try to turn this into a firing because it makes me look more like a badass. And it diminishes Bolton's credibility if and when he speaks out about what's been going on since he was the national security advisor. Now, that's where things get particularly interesting. And uh, my friend David Frum has been on this uh, program before, conservative uh, writer at The Atlantic. He wrote a, a, a very eloquent piece urging John Bolton to speak out. Uh, and unlike all the other wimps that have left this administration, people like Rex Tillerson and general mattis uh, general Kelly, uh, other people who would have had enormous credibility, who, in my view, because they're old, successful white men who no longer have any balls, have uh, all taken a pass, have all wimped out, and it's even worse than wimping out i I, I can't stand it when people wimp out but it's even worse when they pretend that they're not wimping out they do the faux courageous wimp out which is what i think general mattis is doing you know he's pretending to speak out in cryptic ways but not actually doing so in a way that impact anything of any real significance and that he's trying to have it both ways and that i have uh i have discussed for but Bolton is an interesting case study here, and I think Trump understands this, which is why he wanted it out there that he fired him. Trump is pretty good at reading people. And what's interesting about Bolton is while well, he is older and he's, you know, pretty successful guy, and he might theoretically fit into that category of guys that I've, I've referenced many times in this podcast where, you know, once they get old, they lose their balls. Bolton's got a set. Bolton has always had a set of of testicles that were firmly intact. In fact, ironically enough, <laughs> not too many people can say this, I have actually complimented John Bolton to his face in a public setting on his balls. And I'm I'm more than secure in my my sexuality in saying that. We were at an event several years ago where he was speaking. I believe it was uh, for the conservative Hollywood group referred to as uh, Friends of Abe, which is basically disbanded in the era of Trump because of of a massive schism. This was a group run at one point by Gary Sinise, the uh, Academy Award winning actor. Uh, and uh, John Bolton was speaking. And in the q and I actually said to him, this was many years ago, I said something to the effect of that he was the the last guy in the Bush administration with any balls. Uh, and he appreciated that. Uh, And I don't agree with Bolton and everything. He's more of a, a warmonger than probably I am or a hawk, depending on how you want to describe it. But he's a guy who at least throughout his career has shown he has no shortage of balls. And and I think this is why Trump is is more concerned about him, and why again he wanted to make sure that he got the firing uh, narrative out there to discredit him. Because in in Trump's mind, once you dis- you fire someone, nothing they say matters after that. Or once they've asked you, allegedly asked you for a job, no criticism they level against you can have any credibility in Trump's mine. And of course, you know, Trump controls the cult and much of the conservative media. So that will be the narrative. It's now trying to diminish the credibility of John Bolton. So I don't know what Bolton's going to do. It is possible. This actually will be a good test case. This will be a good test case for just how much everyone wimps out when it comes to taking on Trump, especially after they've left his administration. Because if Bolton totally wimps out, I'll be mildly surprised and disappointed. Of course, I have very low expectations for human beings in general and for anyone who agrees to work for this Trump administration in particular. So you got to remember that. I mean, if if someone really has that much character, why would they go to work for Trump when they did in the first place? Uh, So I'm not suggesting that Bolton's going to come out uh, all guns a blazing and, and really do himself proud here. I will just be mildly surprised if he goes exactly the same path of Tillerson and Mattis and Kelly. So that's something to look out for and and potentially to hope for. Uh, There's a couple of updates on emerging Trump scandals, and we talked about both of these in the last episode of the Individual One podcast. This Hurricane Dorian, Alabama controversy is probably the most bizarre presidential uh, controversy that that I can possibly imagine. It's just flat out ridiculous. I I mean, just to review, the president of the United States mistakenly uh, says in a tweet that Alabama is being targeted by the hurricane, as if a hurricane can target uh, anybody. By the way, before I forget, before I get into the hurricane thing, speaking of a hurricane targeting a state, I have to mention... And it's gotten a lot of uh, publicity on the right. And I I can't tell for sure if the New York Times was forced to delete the tweet. But the New York Times, paper of record for the nation and obviously New York's paper of record where the terrorist attacks of 9-11 were centered. The New York Times put out a tweet today that said, and I don't have it in front of me, but effectively it said 18 years ago, planes targeted the Twin Towers. Planes. Planes. As if the planes by themselves just decided, for no apparent reason, to target the Twin Towers. Boy, those towers must have pissed those planes off. For those planes to just suddenly target the towers. (laughs) I mean, no, terrorists targeted the towers, New York Times. Okay, but I digress. So, the hurricane was not, obviously, consciously targeting Alabama, uh, but Trump... A reference that Alabama was in the the direct line of of the hurricane, and immediately many weather forecasters said, "No, no, 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 Mr. President, that's not true." And you probably know by now that the president didn't just double down or triple down or quadruple down. <laughs> he's he's been doing this on a multi per day basis on every day, basically since this uh, controversy uh, started, and we're now learning about the lens to which the White House was willing and able to go to try to back Trump up uh, when it came to justifying his original mistaken tweet. Again, this is something that especially as desensitized as we are in the Trump administration, no one would have cared about. No one. No one would have cared that the president... Now, granted, I understand why some people might care about it, because if you're scaring the people of Alabama and it's the President of the United States, the information should be right. So I don't want to make it seem totally trivial, but in, in, the, in the grand scheme of things, this is easily forgivable. Okay, you made a mistake. You, know, you don't even need to necessarily apologize, just correct it and move on. But this is not the way Trump works because he's not a homo sapien. Given his use of a Sharpie in this case, you might actually refer to him as a homo Sharpian. He's a different species. This is a completely different breed of cat. And the New York Times is reporting today that NOAA, N-O-A-A, the organization in charge of this, that NOAA experienced direct pressure from the White House, from the White House, to repudiate weather forecasters who contradicted Trump's Alabama claim. You cannot be serious! I mean, with the even referencing potential firings people were threatened with firings whether on whether or not they contradicted the president's apparently erroneous claim that alabama was in the path of the hurricane i mean come on people it's just flat out ridiculous I mean, you, you cannot make this stuff up if i i'm amazed that the Onion, the parody news website, has been able to survive almost three years of the Trump administration because you cannot possibly parody this. The Sharpie episode was something that even the HBO TV series Veep would never have dreamed was possible. I mean, that was he outveeped Veep with the with the Sharpie thing, creating. Uh, 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 an expanded circle around the hurricane's cone with a sharpie and holding a press conference to show this off to the world from the Oval Office. It's unbelievable. It's, it's unbelievable, but now we're into a serious scandal because now we're, we're pressuring organizations with firings in in something that even George Orwell in 1984 might have had a difficult time comprehending. The the whole thing is just so unbelievable.
1: Are you not entertained?
0: Well, you know what? It is somewhat entertaining if if there wasn't a serious angle to it. And there is a serious angle to it. Just like there's a serious angle to this increasingly crazy story involving Trump Turnberry. I've talked a lot on this podcast before about Trump's golf courses. I have a tangential connection to several of them, visited several of them, lived right next door to the one here in Southern California for a couple of years, spent a lot of time there, spent a lot of time at Doral, uh, visited Dunebeg in, in Ireland a couple of times. But it's always been Trump Turnberry that I have found to be the most fascinating from a, a larger perspective of what the hell's really going on here. And I wrote a column for Mediate yesterday. You can find it at our uh, Twitter handle, individual1pod. I urge you to check it out. And it, it goes into some detail about all the mysteries surrounding Trump, Trump Turnberry, including how the hell Trump, in 2014, when he knew he was going to need cash to run for president the next year, suddenly got hundreds of millions of dollars in cash to be able to buy and spend on refurbishing Turnberry. Now, if you're not a golfer and you don't know, Turnberry is one of the most famous golf courses in the world. Until Trump bought it, it was part of the British Open rotation. Uh, The the RNA that runs the British Open was smart enough to pull Turnberry out of the British Open rotation as soon as Trump bought it because they knew, wait a minute, we we can't deal with Trump, which is interesting because, you know, first of all, the British Open loses a a classic course in its rotation, at least temporarily, uh, but also it devalues... Turnberry, because when you're not part of the British Open rotation, it doesn't get on television. It loses some of its cachet. Well, Trump Turnberry has has not been doing well since Trump mysteriously purchased it. And uh, with all this cash, when he normally uses credit and usually does not go after the creme de la creme, he usually goes after distressed, very distressed properties. And so the Turnberry thing has, has always been amazing But it's been part of a scandal in the last week or so because we've now learned that the House Oversight Committee, led by Elijah Cummings, and that name should mean something because Elijah Cummings is the guy who uh, Trump went after suddenly a couple months ago, the congressman from Maryland. And I don't think that's uh, coincidental at all. I think that he went after Elijah Cummings. we better than that. That's him uh, on purpose because he knew this was coming down the pike. And so Elijah Cummings committee has been asking questions about the fact that the airport right next to Turnberry, uh, the Prestwick Airport, has been used uh, by the U.S. military for an increased number of refuelings in the last couple of years under the Trump administration. Now, why is that significant? That's significant for a couple of reasons. Number one, apparently the United States military has spent at least, and it's probably more than this because we would, you know, this is only what we know. But as far as what we know now, the U.S. military has spent over $17 million refueling at the Presswick airport. Now, Again, you're probably wondering, John, why do I care about this? You care about this because one, um, this is unusual. Uh, this is a, a dramatic increase. Clearly, the the Trump administration, somebody has has caused there to be an increase in the refuelings at this airport. But here's the real rub: the Trump organization has a partnership with the Presswick Airport. They have a partnership. They, they announced this publicly in a joint press release in 2014. The reason why they have a joint partnership, they're effectively business partners, is that the Trump Turnberry Golf Course and the Presswick Airport are partly, not totally, but partly tied at the hip. Their futures rely on each other. If the Presswick Airport goes down... Turnberry is harmed significantly. If Turnberry goes down, the Presswick Airport is harmed significantly. So this is a partnership that makes total sense. But now we've got the specter, and it's not been proven yet. And it's important to point out that this agreement began in the Obama administration, which is probably why Trump thought it was okay to exploit it, if in fact that's what happened. But so with that being said, we have the specter. We have all the pieces of a puzzle where Donald Trump is using the U.S. military to help prop up an airport with which his organization has a joint partnership and his own golf course and resort. And as part of this operation, the military hasn't just been spending $17 million on refueling. They've also spent, and I'm amazed at this number, I, I can't understand how you get to this number, but... I guess the military is good at spending money. We've apparently spent about $3 million in military personnel staying at Trump Turnberry, where you'll be glad to know apparently they get a discount. Isn't that nice? Isn't that nice? Now, again, none of this has been 100% proven having a direct connection to the president. But come on, people. Think about who Trump is. Think about his M.O., There is the possibility that someone's doing this on their own to kiss up to the king, kind of like we've seen in other stories lately. Uh, You know, we've seen this almost on a daily basis. That is certainly possible. And would that get Trump off the hook? Totally no, because that's the nature of his administration. That's the culture he has created. And more importantly, once he finds out about it, he should stop it which he won't. I mean, the, the unless he's under enormous pressure, Trump is not going to do anything to stop the U.S. government spending money on an airport where he has a partnership and on his own golf resort that's been losing money. That's just not going to happen because that's not who Donald Trump is. Correct. So if you're interested, uh, check that out. Again, you can find my column at individual, the number one pod. Speaking of Trump using the presidency to uh, try to make money for himself, And I continue to say that one of the biggest mistakes that the media and the Democratic Party has made in all of this is allowing, at at the very least, Trump's cult to buy into this notion that Trump is super rich. I've said many times he's not super rich. He is cash poor. His net worth is much, much less than he claims. And the reason why that is important, not only does it blow apart his alpha male, successful businessman narrative, but it also puts a different perspective on things like the story I'm about to tell you about. Once again, Donald Trump in the last, I don't know if it was today or yesterday, but Donald Trump has gone out of his way to demand that the Fed chairman, Powell, decrease interest rates. Now, first of all, the president shouldn't be doing this to begin with. This is totally inappropriate for a president to do, especially in this overt a fashion. But he has done so constantly, publicly, inappropriately, even bizarrely, indicating he doesn't even understand how this works. He even suggested in the tweet that the the interest rates should be zero or less than zero. Less than zero would be catastrophic in numerous elements of our our economy, but Trump doesn't seem to care about that. You know why he might not care about it? It might be total ignorance about the way the economy works and the way interest rates work, or it could be that if Powell did what he's suggesting, it would save the Trump Organization millions and millions of dollars in interest payments on loans. That is a fact. It has been verified by numerous media outlets, including the Washington Post, This is a reality. And so is this the reason Trump's doing it? I don't know for sure, but it's called a conflict of interest. And when you have a man who's this much of a megalomaniac and this obsessed with his own personal wealth and this unscrupulous, it is imperative to at least presume that that's what's going on until proven otherwise, especially when it's not a smart thing for the country or the economy. And, and of course, there's been no blowback at all from the conservative media or from Republicans in Congress at how outrageous this is. They just want to try to pretend it doesn't exist and ignore it. But it's real and it's consistent and it's consistent with all sorts of other things this president has done to use the presidency to enrich himself or attempt to enrich himself. And the reason why it's so important people understand he's not that rich is that a few million dollars matters to Trump a lot. Correct. And so that is enough to motivate him. I be, I'm sure that a lot of his cult presumes, oh, well, Trump is so rich. What does it matter? Well, that's just false. I
1: love the poorly
0: educated. And he relies on them. And for the most part, they have stuck by him. And that's why it is almost impossible to get him out of office. Now, there's increasing buzz about the issue of impeachment, I have been way ahead of the curve in both uh, predicting and and uh, hoping for and lobbying for the idea that Donald Trump would be impeached, although I've never thought he would actually be removed from office because the Republican Senate would never let that happen. I now believe it's too late. I believe that timing is almost everything in life. And for this to be done effectively, it is too late. However, there are a lot of very credible people who are talking a pretty good game. The Democrats are going to try to do this. Uh, I hope they know what they're doing. I have no faith in that. Uh, You know, I I, uh, have been very much on record as having lobbied my good friend Congressman Yarmouth into believing that impeachment is the right way to go. He's been a vocal proponent of impeachment ever since then, and I commend him for that. Uh, He has been predicting that impeachment is a matter of... When, not if, well, if he's right, the when is, t- is too late uh, for it to be effective and it could potentially backfire, I believe. And I, I've never believed that Nancy Pelosi really has any intention of having Trump impeached. I think that she's just placating the impeachment wing of her party uh, and uh, so that uh, if she delays long enough, even they will see, well, wait a minute, we got an election coming up. Let's just hold our fire. Let's beat Donald Trump and let's move on. But there is definitely a lot more chatter. And I do think that this topic is one that is going to become more relevant in the next uh, few weeks. Uh, So that's something to definitely keep an eye on and I'm sure we'll talk about in the future. In the meantime, the polling for Donald Trump continues to look dismal. In fact, he came out this week and said that the, uh, the polls are fake. It's all fake news. Fake news did not happen and uh, aren't to be trusted, not real, which I think is frankly stupid on his part. I, I think having his people not believe the polls uh, could potentially, underline potentially, cause the same kind of complacency among his voters that occurred to Hillary's voters in 2016. But his ego is so fragile that he, he can't even see the forest through the trees, that he's actually harming himself by having his cult not believe the polls. Uh, but he actually po- uh, sing- singled out the ABC Washington Post poll in a way that was so classically Trumpian uh, as to be ridiculous. He, he claimed on Twitter that, you know, this was a poll that had him losing by 12 points not long before the two 2000- thousand. 16 election. Yep, that's true. Guess when that poll was taken? Right after the Access Hollywood controversy, when Trump was imploding. And lots of other polls had Trump losing by double digits to Hillary Clinton at that time. Guess what also happened to the Washington Post and ABC poll? The gap uh, shrunk considerably in the following weeks, getting down to what ended up being the actual margin of popular vote victory nationally for Hillary Clinton, which was two or three points. The ABC poll turned out to be among the most accurate. And it perfectly dovetailed with the events of the time, including James Comey's ill-advised press conference reopening the Hillary Clinton email investigation 10 days needlessly or reopening the investigation 10 days before the election, which I believe ended up uh, giving Donald Trump the presidency. So Trump has no basis in logic or fact here uh, to claim that the the polls are fake, but it's all about his own ego. Uh, In the last few days, Gallup, CNN and the ABC poll have all had Trump's approval rating under 40 percent. Now, it's interesting. There's a disparity between persons and registered voters. Trump is doing worse among persons than registered voters. So in so, like, for instance, in the real clear politics average, his average is slightly better than some of the reporting on Gallup, CNN and ABC because the the media is using the worst number because that's the most dramatic. I mean, the, the Gallup, CNN and ABC numbers are like 38, 39 percent approval. Among registered voters, it's more about like 40, 41 percent approval. But the bottom line is it's really low, especially for a guy who's almost uh, you know, barely over a year from running for reelection. His approval rating is about 40 percent, and it's pretty consistent. It, it, technically, it's 42.9 percent right now for real clear politics, but that's because the Rasmussen poll, which is basically uh, an arm of the Trump campaign, uh, continues to distort that number. So bottom line, I believe that Trump's real approval rating is somewhere right around 40, at most 41 percent. The differential between his approval and his disapproval is a rock solid 10 points, a rock solid. At least 53 percent of the public disapprove of Trump's job performance to date. And uh, that's a a very big number. In fact, the disapproval number is much more consistent than the approval number. The disapproval number in almost every poll is 52, 53, 54, 55. Almost invariably. In fact, almost all, many of them are 53, 54. So I'm being kind when I say 53% of registered voters in this country disapprove Of the job that Trump is doing. Now, I realize most people are very bad at math, especially Trump fans, but if you just use some basic, very basic math, if his disapproval is at 53%, and if there are only two major candidates running in 2016, this would mean that at least about 10% of those people who disapprove of him, 10% of that 53%, which would be about 5% of all voters, would have to flip from being anti-Trump to being willing to vote for him in order for him to win. Now, there's some leeway in what would his percentage vote have to be uh, to win the Electoral College, so it might be a little bit less than that, but to win, to have any semblance of getting the most votes in the election, about 10% of those who disapprove of him would have to flip from disapproval to voting for him. That is an enormously huge lift, especially in a world where no one ever changes their minds, where people are isolated by their their own media outlets that they prefer, that only get the information that they want. Uh, That would have to be event-driven. There's nothing that Trump could do to cause that to happen, especially given the nature of how strongly people disapprove of him. Because it's not just, I kind of disapprove. It's, hell yeah, I disapprove in that 53%. So the mind boggles in what would have to happen for that percentage of people to change from disapproval to being willing to vote for him. One of those things, by the way, might be Elizabeth Warren being the Democratic presidential nominee. <laughs> that's a possibility. I don't know if it would be 10%, but it would be some percentage point that would be at least on the way to 10%. I'll get to more of that in in a moment. I mean, in reality, uh you know, Trump would need that either that 10% or he would need an, a larger number of that disapproval number to stay home and not vote. And that's unlikely because it's a presidential election, turnout is always high, and the hatred of Trump is off the charts. We saw in 2018, Democratic turnout is going to be massive. Trump is a negative turnout machine, something I, don't understand. I do not understand why Democrats are concerned about turnout. When we saw what happened in 2018 without a presidential candidate on the ballot, uh, you know, Democrats are going to show up. To beat Donald Trump. So the last thing they should really be worried about or one of the last things is getting turnout. But I believe that Trump needs Elizabeth Warren to be the Democratic nominee uh, and it is becoming increasingly possible that that might happen. Uh, There's a new poll out today where she is tied with Joe Biden 26 percent nationally. Yesterday there was a poll where Biden beat her nationally by 12 points. So there's a lot of fluctuation in the national polls when it comes to Joe Biden and Elizabeth Warren and the rest of the Democrats. But I have been saying for weeks that Elizabeth Warren is a slight favorite to win this nomination. Uh, The only thing Biden has going for him right now is that Bernie Sanders is hanging in there. Uh, And I have said for a year that the best thing Biden has going for him in the primary is Bernie Sanders, who cannot win the nomination, but who takes up a lot of the crazy vote, and almost all of his vote would go right right directly to Elizabeth Warren, as long as Bernie Sanders stays in, Biden's got a shot. If if Bernie Sanders were to somehow get out, that would be a death knell uh, for Joe Biden. If Joe Biden is forced to go up against Elizabeth Warren one-on-one or something like one-on-one, that would be big trouble for Joe Biden. So he needs Bernie Sanders to hang in, and right now Bernie Sanders is hanging in there. But the evidence that, as I have been saying continually— that Joe Biden is the much, much, much safer pick to go up against Donald Trump is voluminous and increasing. Correct. Uh, just in the last uh, 24 hours, the ABC poll has Joe Biden beating Donald Trump by 15 points nationwide. 15 points. Now, let me be clear. People will say, well, John, wasn't, wasn't Hillary Uh, beating him by some similar number way out ahead of the election. Yeah, but there's two big differences. The biggest difference is Joe Biden's already been vice president for eight years, and he's nowhere near as hated as Hillary Clinton was. Number two, back then, there were still a whole lot of people who thought, well, you know, Trump might not be that bad. He's a successful businessman. I liked him on The Apprentice. Maybe he'll grow into the job. Yeah, that didn't happen. And now those people know that's never going to happen. So uh, these numbers are a lot more solid and, and much less malleable than the numbers were in the 2016 election at this time. Interestingly, Elizabeth Warren is only plus seven. Plus seven nationwide is in the realm, especially within the margin of error, where Trump could still win the Electoral College. Losing by 15 to Biden, you can't win the electoral college. Not possible. Warren, seven points. He's at least in the ball game. Again, especially with the margin of error. So you know, I've likened this to a basketball game. Joe Biden is a slam dunk. It's a slam dunk. But Democrats are going to go. Yeah, you know what? Slam dunks are boring. Let's try a three-point shot with a hand in our face. What could possibly go wrong? because, you know, Warren would be more exciting, more liberal, she's younger, two terms, let's go for the three-point shot. Well, all sorts of things could go wrong under that scenario if your goal is to make sure that Donald Trump doesn't get a second term, which could be catastrophic for the United States of America. If there was one data point, one data point that I wish every single Democrat was forced to know about the disparity, the massive disparity between the electability of Joe Biden and the potential unelectability of Elizabeth Warren against Donald Trump. It's a poll that came out yesterday in New Hampshire. Now, let's be clear what New Hampshire is. New Hampshire is one of the few swing states. And under some scenarios, New Hampshire could theoretically, even though it's a very small state, could theoretically decide the presidency. It was decided in 2016 by only a couple thousand votes. So it's a close state. It's a swing state. It also happens to be the state right next to Elizabeth Warren's home state of Massachusetts. It's literally her backyard. And there was a poll out yesterday that had Joe Biden beating Donald Trump in New Hampshire by 10 points. And Elizabeth Warren losing to Trump by two. That's a 12-point disparity in a critical swing state Right in Elizabeth Warren's backyard. That is game set match for any question of if your goal is to make sure Donald Trump isn't reelected, which candidate do you go for? I mean, it's almost the perfect uh, set of uh, of evidentiary facts because of the fact that it's a swing state, because it's the fact the fact that it's Elizabeth Warren's backyard they know her very very well and the more you get to know elizabeth warren unless you're a whack job the less you like her and uh, so and it's obvious it's not you know it's not like they don't know who joe biden is he was vice president for eight years he was in the senate for 83 years or something close to that i mean everyone knows who joe biden is Everyone in New Hampshire knows who Elizabeth Warren is. Everybody there obviously knows who Donald Trump is. These are not numbers that are going to dramatically shift without some sort of black swan, 9-11-esque massive event changing uh, the the foundation of the race. You've got it right there. 12-point difference in a critical swing state that should be going for Warren. Please, Democrats, don't do this please, I'm begging you, please do not go with Elizabeth Warren. If you care at all about making sure Donald Trump is not, is not reelected, she is way too risky. And the facts show that overwhelmingly. Of course, I'm also, being a pessimist, pretty convinced that that's exactly what, where we're headed, at least upon the current path that we're on. We'll know more Uh, with the uh, debate on Thursday, which I'm sure we'll talk about, the Democratic debate uh, on Thursday night in the next episode of the Individual One podcast, which will be Sunday, early afternoon, Los Angeles time here in California. As is always the case, we end each podcast with an update on the percentage chances of Donald Trump being removed from office or not being able to finish his first term in office and then also being reelected. This uh, particular podcast, there's no change in the numbers. I'm going to keep it at 10 percent chance that he does not finish his first term in office, which is up slightly from what it has been. And I'm going to keep the reelection number at 40 percent, even though those uh, numbers that I just told you are horrific for Donald Trump, the continuing specter that Elizabeth Warren would throw him a lifeline as the nominee is still out there, very much so, maybe increasingly so, depending on what happens in Thursday's debate. So I can't change the number from 40%. Until next time, please remember to subscribe, rate, review, and share this show via social media. Follow us on Twitter at individual number one pod. That's individual number one pod. Until Sunday, my name is John Ziegler, and you're listening to the Global Story Network.